Well, what's that? I said, will you marry me? Oh, just round up a preacher and I'll meet you at the church. Serious, Johnny? Oh, I wish you were, you rascal. <laughs> well, with you, Betty, I sometimes wish I could... Oh, no, no, wait a minute. Catch me still half asleep this way. Betty, what did it say? You threw it up at the crack of dawn. What are you talking about? It's almost 8 o'clock. Exactly what I said, the crack of dawn. You just spoiled, Johnny, and... Well, I don't know whether to forgive you this time or not. Uh-oh, now what have I done? My housewarming party. Oh, no. Oh, yes. It took me three months of hard work to get my new little house fixed up out here. No visitors, no fun, no nothing Betty. to work. And then when I do invite you, and you accept... Betty, honest, listen, that's this. This is crazy business of mine. Better be good, Johnny. Well, I was out in Eugene, Oregon, and there was no way... Eugene, Oregon? Yeah, one of those last-minute things, insurance investigation, there was no way I could get out of it. Honest? Honest. I only got back late last night, but I'll make it up to you. I swear I will. Well... Now, let's see. Today is, um... What? Betty. Hello, Betty. What's the matter, Johnny? You're asking me, those gunshots. And if I suddenly groaned and dropped the telephone, would you come running out here? Are you kidding it? What? Only I cannot tell a lie. That was just some hot rod kid with a cut-down convertible. Oh, <laughs> backfire, huh? Yes. Every morning at exactly 8 o'clock. You can set your watch by it. Are you sure that's all it was? Well, if you don't believe it, why, uh, why don't you come over here and see for yourself? Tomorrow, maybe? At 8 o'clock in the morning? Sure. And, honey, I'll cook you the greatest breakfast you ever had. Yeah, but, uh... Maybe even Married life isn't such a bad idea after all. On the strength of a platter of ham and eggs? Tomorrow. Johnny. Hey, uh, look, why don't we go somewhere tonight? I'll take you out to dinner and... Nope. If you're really sorry about missing the party, if you really do want to see me... Well, sure I do. All right, then. Tomorrow morning for breakfast. Betty. Bye, honey. So, why not? <laughs> CBS Radio brings you Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut, attention, Mr. Pat McCracken. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the backfire that backfired matter. I know, Pat, you haven't assigned me to a case. I also know I hadn't the least idea that having breakfast with my best gal was to be only the beginning of an insurance investigation. That before it was over, I'd be lucky to get out of the whole mess alive. But believe me, that's the way it worked out. So if there's any question about your company paying this expense account, well, just read on. Okay, then. Expense account item one the following morning, that is. Four dollars and a quarter for a tank full of gas for my car. By the unearthly hour of 7.40 a.m., I was on my way to far out beyond the edge of town to 11325 East Maple Drive and the newly acquired domicile of my date for breakfast, Betty Lewis. Now, uh, I'm not used to this uh, early morning stuff and was kind of surprised to find so much of the world wide awake. It was warm and pleasant too early for the scorching summer sun. Front lawns of the rather nice homes in this section glistened with dew. The fields and trees were filled with millions of birds, all singing their heads off, with squirrels chattering away. Yep, real pleasant. Something I'd have to try again sometime. 
Betty's place, which I hadn't seen before, turned out to be a very cute one-story affair. Coral roof and shut us to match. It was set comfortably in between a couple of somewhat larger homes. As for Betty, who stood there at the front door waiting for me, well, I don't know how she does it, but that ever-loving doll, even at this hour, looked as smart and attractive as any man could want. I just can't believe it, and it's still a full six minutes before eight o'clock. Oh, hi, honey. Mwah. Yeah, so early in the morning. You mind? I do not. Come here, yeah. Oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but this morning you're dog for you. Come in, huh? Said the spider to the fly? Oh, sure. I'd make no bones about it. Your uh, neighbors used to sing this sort of thing? Oh, sure. I've been having strange men in for breakfast every day. Uh-huh. You know, just so the neighbors wouldn't be shocked when I finally dragged you into my trap. <laughs> How do you like it, Johnny? Oh, yeah. Hey, looks real nice, Penny. Of course, if I had some nice guy to share it with. If you had any sense, you'd marry me, you know. Yeah. And if I had any sense, I'd get out of this crazy business of mine. Then maybe I could settle down to something like a normal life. Nine to five and some air-conditioned office. A nice home to come home to. Maybe raise a family. Johnny, you know darn well you'd never be happy with that kind of a routine humdrum existence. Oh, no? You know it as well as I do. And I guess a gal could get pretty miserable wondering where you are. You're getting slugged or shot at. Maybe dead somewhere. But we do have fun together. And I'm all for it. That is, when you're not standing me up for some glamorous redhead on an excuse you're working in insurance. Betty, so help me. On a stack of Bibles. Oh, sure. But come on, come on, or your eggs will be overcooked. Now, you sit right there when you can look out the window and drink your juice. Yes, ma'am. You really like my country estate? Yeah. Hey, who lives in that big house across the road? Oh, Mr. Barton J. Robinson. Used to be an attorney. Robinson, sure. He's the one who prosecuted that big insurance fraud a few years ago for one of the companies I served. See him there eating his breakfast? Ah. Uh, a bachelor, isn't he? Yes, he lives all alone. Hmm. I think I'd better warn him to stay away from you that you're my property. <laughs> He's the most punctual man I've ever seen. If he isn't there when I'm eating my breakfast, I know I've overslept. Here, now. And if you want some toast... Got it. Hey, uh, Betty, I've been thinking. Yes? Well, maybe it's just my crazy criminal mind. But... Thinking about what, Jimmy? About... Yeah, about that. Holy smoke. You no, know, I've got so used to it morning after morning. Hmm, two of them. Yeah, no, crazy kids. You know who they are? Oh, somebody had the police come out here a couple of mornings, but of course they didn't show up then. And I guess everybody else has just got used to them the way I have. Now, let's eat. Funny, though. Mm, what? A crazy backfire. Once they get past here, they stop it. Well, don't worry about it. But I should have. I should have worried plenty about it. Perhaps if I'd been a mystery writer instead of insurance investigator who's used to solving mysteries after they've happened, well, I would have had sense enough to act right then, immediately. Or maybe, yeah, maybe there was still time. And you have no idea who those two are, the ones who go barreling by in that hot rod every morning? Nobody could seem to find out, Johnny, and as I said... Yeah, everybody's got used to the noise of that backfiring. But listen, Betty... Why eat your breakfast, honey? You call them kids, but they aren't. Honey, please. I thought we were just going to have breakfast and talk and sort of make up for last time. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry for them, but now look... Honestly, you have to dream up a lot of mystery and intrigue about even the most normal things that happen. They cut the backfiring just as soon as they got around that curve. 
3CFU160. What? The license on that car. Oh, Johnny. Hey, listen, honey, let me use your phone. Didn't I see one right here in the living room? Oh, yeah. But why? And, Johnny, your breakfast will get cold. Be right back. My phone call was to Jerry Wilson, who worked in the Department of Motor Vehicles. It took him a few minutes to dig into the files for me, but when he came back to the phone, his answer was short and to the point. Sorry, Johnny, but you must have made a mistake. You sure about that? Absolutely. But what happened? Why do you want to know? Well, just uh, curious, that's all. Oh, now, Johnny, I know you better than that. Thanks, Johnny, and thanks. Thanks a lot. Now, Johnny. Oh, sorry, buddy. I guess you're right, Johnny, about driving the wife crazy, I mean. I was right about that car. What? That license on it is a phony. There ain't no such number here in Connecticut. All right, so a couple of kids didn't have enough money to buy a license. I tell you, they aren't kids. Now that I've had a chance to think about it, I'd swear there was something familiar about the looks of the one beside the driver. Oh, sure, some nasty criminal you've tangled with and... Oh, Johnny, listen, this isn't why I asked you out here to cook up some deep mystery. Hey, Betty, this lawyer, this Barton Robinson, who lives in the big house across the road. I don't care about him, Johnny. I care about you. You say that every morning at the same time he's there beside that window eating his breakfast, the same time that car comes roaring by. Yes. When he's here, that is. He was away for five or six weeks. Until when? He must have come back last night. This morning's the first time in five or six weeks. Uh-huh. And when did this, uh, well, those hot rodders start coming around? Oh, well, I guess it was about a week after Mr. Robinson went away. Chasing the joiner. What? Johnny, for heaven's Betty, listen to me. You probably won't forgive me for this. Johnny. Now, listen. Sometimes when I'm working on a case... not, dear. Well, sometimes when I run out of leads, well, all I have to work on is a hunch. Three months I've been waiting. But strangely enough, the hunches usually pay off. I wasn't going to tell you until later. So maybe my hunch is right this time. But I called the office and told them I wouldn't be Because I got a real big fat one about that car. I thought you'd go somewhere, drive out in the country, maybe. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I really am sorry. Like I said, kind of make up for lost time. But I've got to get on this thing, and right now... Johnny, how can you do this Look, to I'll me? pick you up tonight. We'll have dinner, taking a show, make a night of it, anything you want. I, oh, I, I know the walking out on you this way is a dirty trick, and if you want to, you can just tell me to... Please, honey, tonight for sure. Oh, sure, Johnny. You know what a pushover I am. Thanks, hon. See you later. I set out to find that car, who owned it, and why the big backfire racket in that particular spot day after day. There was a purpose there, I was sure of it. Not just a couple of kids out on the tear. Besides, they weren't kids. I'd seen that for myself. Because of the way the car had taken the curve down the road, it left a very clear set of tire marks. So I started a careful inspection of driveways, even asked the people who lived along there what they knew about that car. And it took me most of the day. Expense account item two, by the way, is a buck and a quarter for a late afternoon lunch at a roadside tavern. It was there I finally got some information. You want another bottle of beer, huh, Johnny? Okay. Now, as I was saying, mister, I think I know the very car you mean. Yeah? About a 1941, tied down with straight pipes. Must have been a convertible before they throwed the top away. Makes a lot of noise. You know who owns it? Where I can find it? Well, I think I seen it take the cutoff one morning. Cutoff? Yeah, when I was on my way to work here. What cutoff? About a mile up the road to cut off over to Barley Swamp. Good. Thanks a lot. Here's for the food. Well, you interested in buying that old crate? Something like that. The cutoff to Barley's swamp wasn't much more than a pair of wagon tracks through the woods. But the tire marks I was looking for stuck out like a sore thumb. 
and they finally led off to an old shack half hidden by a heavy thicket. Behind it, sure enough, was the car I'd been looking for. The windows of the shack were boarded up, no sign of life. Slowly and carefully, I circled the place. Then I walked over to the door, turned the knob, opened it. And you know something? I've been awfully wrong about there being nobody around. Okay, mister. Oh, oh no, you're killing him. You asked for it. Clip him, ring it, clip him. Yeah. Oh. Get some water, Gil. Bring him to. We'll find out what he's doing around here. Let me go through his pockets, Ringer. See who he is. Yeah, go ahead. The one called Ringer was too big for me. So rather than take any more of it for the moment, I lay there and let them go through my pockets. And of course, they took my gun. When the little one, Gil, started pouring water not only on but into me, well, I had to come to a choke of that. Oh, give him the whole bucket. Yeah, sure. Johnny Dollar, huh? Insurance stick. No, no, don't try getting up on your feet. You think I could if I wanted to? Yeah, you really clipped him, Ringer. Shut up. So the coppers have been after me since I got out of their clink, huh? But they couldn't find me, so they had to send you out. Is that it, Dollar? Yeah, what do you think? I think you're going to be awful sorry and awful dead. You think you or anybody else could keep me from knocking off that fancy mouthpiece after sending me up the way he did? Well, nobody's smart enough. You're going to knock him off, Ringer? How are you going to kill him? After we get that lawyer. Well, why not now, huh? Anything goes wrong, I might need Dollar for a hostage. Oh, sure. Only what's a hostage? Only nothing is going to go wrong. I'm too smart for that. Yeah, I guess you are at that, Ringer. That business of driving by his house every day, the backfire. That's right, so nobody worries about it no more. And the backfire will cover the shots when you murder lawyer Robinson. That's right. Nobody will even notice. And all it takes is one good shot through his window. Just a little hole in that window nobody will notice unless they go up and look at it. An elaborate scheme like that just to show how smart you are? No, because knowing I'm on the loose again, he has that house locked up like a bank vault. Not even Gil and me could get in without setting off an alarm. And he keeps the blinds down at night. Can't even see him in there. But every morning at the same time, he's there at the window. <laughs> so now that he's home, we get him. Tomorrow Shut morning... Shut up, Gil. Soak up some of that rawhide so we can tie him up and get out of here. Yeah, sure, Ringin'. I want to get some food and some sleep. Then, Dollar, we'll be back to see you in the morning. And after we do, you won't see anything anywhere anymore. Wet rawhide that shrinks when it dries, cuts into ankles and wrists like a steel band. By the time they finally left in their hot rod, the pain was excruciating. Sure, I could roll around a bit, maybe even out the door. What good was that? There was nobody. Nobody ever came around this neck of the woods. So I lay there, straining against the bonds, hoping they wouldn't cut off the circulation completely as the rawhide slowly and inexorably... Wait. It was raining, raining hard. I rolled myself painfully out the door into a puddle in front of it. It seemed like hours. It was hours. It was long after daylight before the rawhide finally stretched enough for me to get a hand free and take off the rest of the thongs that bound me. I looked at my watch. 8.15. Which meant they'd done their job. And yeah, now they'd come back here to... And I heard it. The hot rod coming down the soggy wagon road. Quickly, I ducked back into the shack, waiting behind the door. 
wasn't there. We had the storm to cover us, too. I, I don't get it, Ringer. No, he wasn't there. That window means somebody warned him. Means that Johnny Dollar warned him. That means we're taking care of Dollar right now. You know, wait. Listen. What? That car coming down the road. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. It's a girl that lives across the street from that mouthpiece. What's she doing out here? I don't know. If she pulls in here, we start shooting first and find out afterwards. Hey, she is. Here she comes. Look out. Shoot. Let her have it. Yeah. Oh, no, you dog, baby. Dollar, I'll kill you. I'll blast you. Oh, no. No. Ready. That's okay, honey. You did the right thing. Johnny, when you didn't come last night, and this morning when the man at the roadhouse told me where he'd sent you to find that hot okay, rod. Honey. So I told Mr. Robinson to stay away from his window, and I came as fast as... Oh, are you all right, honey? Are you all right? Yeah, sure. A little wet and oh, tired. Johnny, I was so worried. I was so worried about you. I'm sure glad you were. Thanks, honey. Oh, do that again. Sweetest kiss. Run over me. Try to kill me. Oh, shut up, Ringer. You think I'm gonna... Yeah. Can't you see I'm busy? Yes. More, Johnny. It was Betty Lewis who really saved the life of that insurance attorney. So most of this expense account covers some well-earned entertainment, plus a little gift for her. No. Not an engagement ring, but a big jug of my sin. But I must admit, she certainly makes me think about the merits of... <clears throat> yeah. Expense account total, 450 bucks even. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. star to tell you about next week's story. Next week. Well, next week, the funniest combination of names I ever saw. And, brother, what trouble they cause. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Horace Lewis, Barney Phillips, and Tom Holland. This is Jim Matthews speaking.